Well, hello there, brothers and sisters. It is your second favorite host, Sergeant Seagar. Uh, Senior Bacon and I, we recorded an episode to come out to you today. And uh, Senior Bacon, I hope I got that right the first time. Oh, it's so confusing. Uh, is such a great guy. Such a great guy. Uh, I said I want to try a new platform to record on, and uh, it backfired. We uh, we only got a little bit of, of actual content uh, that we can use, which is military history. And if you've been a long-time listener, you know that really all this podcast is is military history. Uh, and so what I was originally going to do was try to create a audio shit show more than it already is. But when I got to it and I looked at it and I listened to it, I'm like, nah, we're not doing that today. We're not doing that. So I'm going to take advantage of an opportunity that the two of us missed. Uh, this week for everybody you should know, uh, is the remembrance of nine 11. September 11th, a day in history that was very tragic. Whether you believe that it was an act of actual terrorism that triggered the war in the Middle East, or if you think it's a conspiracy, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. Because what followed that tragic event was a very large amount, and I'm not even going to try to pretend like I even know the number, but a very large amount of men and women, both old, middle-aged, and young, served one, two, three, maybe even more deployments years away from their friends and family because they do something that they love to do, whether it's fight for freedom, to support the country, or I mean, maybe just to get an enlistment bonus or education benefits, whatever their reason is, they did something great. And I know for the younger generation, uh, you missed out, or you may have missed out on those conflicts. Uh, I would say it's a bummer because those are memories that uh, those of us who did serve in Iraqi freedom, de uh, not Desert Storm. I, I'm too young for that one. Although I do remember collecting the trading cards. Um, you know, it, it, those are memories that those of us who got to serve during uh, those conflicts have. Uh, our uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents, they have memories of their own conflicts. And in a perfect world, none of us will ever have to serve in a conflict. But if you ever do, don't be scared. Do what you were trained to do and drive on. I just wanted to tell you a quick little story. Uh, it was 2003 was when uh, my unit that I was with, uh, the first deployment, 0304. And uh, I remember uh, thinking that, and I believe me, I was young and dumb, but I remember having a conversation with a fellow soldier and she was like, Oh my God, this is, this is going to be, we're going to be away from our family for so long. 
And I said, ah, no, you remember Desert Storm? We'll be in and out of there. Oh, six months. I wouldn't be surprised if we make it to Moab Station and they send us home. It wouldn't say, really, you think so? Oh, yeah. Well, little did I know that I know nothing. <laughs> uh, it backfired in my face. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was 12 months of my life. But I got to know a lot of people. Uh, I got to uh, really know a lot of people. And in fact, uh, I got to know my, my, my now wife, uh, who also served in the same company, but I didn't know it. So what, what some of you don't realize is that in today's guard, you pretty well know everybody within your organization. Back then in 0304, you might have had a company spread across multiple locations that you knew about those locations, but you didn't know a single soul in those locations, which of course created clicks. But once you go into a deployment, all of the people in the com company come together and you spend the next 10 months, 12 months, 14 months, 24 months, however many months together. And uh, you get to know those people. You get to become friends with those people. You establish a bond that is like no other that you will ever have or experience in your life. So I'm just rambling on, uh, but they're great experiences. And even though 9-11 was a tragedy, many great things came out of that. I'm going to jump into the piece of the podcast that we did capture, military history. Enjoy. I mean, theoretically, we can take care of all that in post. But do you have military history? Let's do that before you jump offline again. Yeah, I do. I do have military history. I will say it's probably like Mercury in retrograde or some bullshit because it was on Saturday and Sunday. It was 92 degrees on Tuesday and Wednesday. It was 65 degrees. Yeah, the weather is weird right now because, I mean, when does this episode come out? It comes out uh, uh, 13 September. 13 September. So this is 6 September. And uh, the weather has been weird here, too. Like, we went from hot to kind of chilly. Yeah, like sweatshirt weather. Yeah, yeah. which led me to have yeah. to do laundry. Anyway, let's get into military history. It's time for military history. Did you not hear it? No. What the? I, I didn't hear it. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it if I heard it. <laughs> well, hold on a second here. Okay. So, like, it looks like what I should be coming through. I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. New system, complete uh, shit show, military history. Let's go. Title of this episode. <laughs> New system, complete shit show. <laughs> New system, who dis? <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> right. Okay. So for 13 September, September 13th, whatever you want to call it, in 1788, the Congress of the Confederation authorized the first 
national election and declared New York City the temporary national capital. The Constitutional Convention authorized the election resolving the electors in all states will be appointed on January 7th of 1789. The convention decreed that the first federal election would be held on the first Wednesday in February of the following year. I don't I don't like it. Mm, I don't no. I don't like the I don't like it. No, that's okay. It, no. It go, it go it, over. History gets better. Okay. It does. Okay. This is great. This is gonna be awesome. You're gonna love this one. All right. In seventeen eighty nine, the start of the US national debt as the government took out its first loan borrowed from the Bank of North America in New York City at 6% interest. The U.S. debt had reached $77 million when Washington became president. Jeez. <laughs> we started out Bohica. <laughs> right? Like, oh, man, let's just start this. Oh, wow. I had man, no clue. $77 million in the hole. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's found this shit. In the hole. Yeah. We were built on debt. Yeah, and fucking probably cheap whiskey, but... Yeah. Gets the job done. Moving to 1814. In a turning point in the War of 1812, the British fail to capture Baltimore. During the battle, Francis Scott Key composes his poem... Defiance, no, defense. There's no I in defense. I mean, of Fort McHenry, which is later set to music and becomes the United States's national anthem. Yep, yep. I've heard that story before. I think you heard it on this podcast. I probably did. <laughs> right? Because I think it was set to like an old drinking tune or something. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. The, the amount of things that I learn right here on this podcast. Right? It's almost like I'm giving it a, this information away for free. <laughs> and I feel like somebody's stealing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Some guy's winning Jeopardy right now. Right? The chase. In, eight, in 1847, General Winfield Scott wins the last major battle of the Mexican-American War by storming the ancient shop. Bleptepec Fortress <laughs> at the edge of Mexico City. If you can't pronounce it, throw it away. Well, but it's important. Yeah, I guess. All right. The war between the U.S. and its southern neighbor began the year before when President James Polk ordered General Zachary Taylor to advance to the disputed Rio Grande border between the newly minted American state of Texas and Mexico. So right there along the Rio Grande border. All right. The Mexican government had once controlled Texas and refused to recognize the American claim to the state or the validity of the Rio Grande as an international border. Viewing Taylor's advance as an invasion of Mexican soil, the Mexican army crossed the Rio Grande and attacked the U.S. forces in Texas in April of 1846. Wow. So when 
the United States took over that fortress in Mexico City, it was the first time in U.S. history that the U.S. flag had been flown over a foreign capital. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that was really the... There was a lot more stuff that I cut out, but I left that piece in because that's important. Yeah. In... 1860, John J. Pershing, a.k.a. Blackjack, was born in Missouri, and he led the campaign against Pancho Villa in Mexico and commanded the Mex- the American Expeditionary Force in France during World War I. Oh. So I'm not sure if you ever heard of John Pershing or not. I think I've heard the name, but I'm not pretty sure they Pretty sure they named a tank after him. Oh, uh, Abrams? No, Pershing. Pershing? Yeah. I've never heard Abrams of Abrams was tank. not the only tank. Abrams is the only tank I know of. I did not oh. play Tank Wars. <laughs> Damn it, I'm old. <laughs> we went to uh, this little town just to the east of me over in uh, the next state. And they do this uh, Steam Threshers reunion event. So it's all like steam cars and, or not cars, but like steam engines and trains and tractors and right. stuff like that. But every year they have a, like a rotational <clears throat> um, display. And this year the rotation was military. And so they had like an old, uh, they had a Sherman tank, they had a Huey helicopter, uh, a cannon of some kind, just kind of cool shit. Huh. So that, that does yeah. sound cool. Yeah, you'll have to come up sometime. I do need to come up. I've never been to your state. Yeah, you've been close. Eh, not close enough. Nah, that's all right. In 1862, Union soldiers find a copy of Confederate General Robert E. Lee's orders detailing the Confederates' plan for the Antietam campaign near Frederick, Maryland. But Union General... George McClellan was slow to react, and the advantage of the intelligence provided was lost. On the morning of September 13th, the 27th Indiana rested in a meadow outside of Fredericks, uh, Maryland, which had served as the site of the Confederate camp just days before. Uh, Sergeant John Boss, Boss and Corporal Barton W. Mitchell found a piece of paper wrapped around a tree and three cigars. Ooh, I- the paper was addressed to Confederate General D.H. Hill, and its title read, Special Order Number 191, Headquarters, Army of Northern Virginia. Realizing that they had discovered a copy of the Confederate operation plan, the two quickly passed it up the chain of command, and by chance, the Division General Samuel Pittman recognized the handwriting on the order as that of a colleague from the pre-war army of Robert Chilton, who was the adjutant general to Robert E. Lee. Pittman took the order directly to McClellan, and Union commander had spent the previous week mystified by Lee's operations, but now the Confederate plan was clear. He reportedly gloated, here's a paper which, if I cannot whip Bobby Lee, I will be willing to go home. 
right. McClellan, McClellan now knew that Lee's forces were split into five parts and scattered over 30 miles, which the, how do you say that river? Oh, the Potomac? Yeah, the Potomac in between. At least eight miles separated each piece of Lee's army, and McClellan was just a dozen miles from the nearest Confederate unit at South Mountain. So he basically squanders this perfect opportunity to win the, like, really just win a lot oh, yeah, of shit. Yeah, could have nailed it, yeah. So <laughs> McClellan squanders his opportunity. His initial jubilation was overtaken by caution. He believed that Lee possessed a far greater number of troops than the Confederates actually did. And despite the fact that Maryland, the invasion resulted in a high rate of desertion among the Southerners, McClellan was also excruciatingly slow to respond to the information of the so-called lost order. He took 18 hours to set his army in motion, marching towards Turner's Gap and Crampton's Gap in South Mountain, a 50-mile-long ridge that was part of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Lee, who was also alerted to the approaching Federals, sent his troops to plug plug the gaps, allowing him time to gather his scattered units. So because he didn't act fast, he didn't act now, and pay only nineteen ninety five <laughs> plus three fifty shipping and handling. He didn't pick up the sham wow. <laughs> but wait, there's more. You're gonna love these nuts. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the sham wow guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Phil Swift here. <laughs> so yeah, basically the moral of the story. I hope them two them two NCOs smoked them cigars. Oh yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. Like, what do you do otherwise? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Oh, here. Here you go, General. Win the war and have these cigars. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> yeah. me. I bet they saved one for Grant. <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> maybe. A Lewinsky? Hmm. Interesting. A hooker? You never know. You saved one for General Hooker? General Hooker. <laughs> he needs a we cigar. We talked about yeah. the hookers. Yeah. He needs a cigar. Yeah. Okay. Fast forward to 1978. The first flight of the McDonnell Douglas F-18A Hornet took place. Ooh. Gotta love them Hornets. That's the one they used in Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2001, this is September 13th, President Bush asked Congress for powers to wage war against an unidentified enemy. Bush called the terrorist attacks in New York and in Washington the first war of the 21st century, as his administration labeled fugitive Osama bin Laden a prime suspect. The United States promised to wage all-out retaliation against those responsible and any regime that protected them. Jetliners were then returned to the nation's skies for the first time in two days, carrying nervous passengers 
who face strict new security measures. Blank the blanking TSA. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I fuck those guys. I, I hate flying only because of the TSA. <laughs> yeah. Hate it. Hate it. I I, I want to fly. Like I want to experience the days where you used to have to wear a suit to fly. And smoke? Well, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, don't tell me that smoking in today's airplanes is going to cause a traumatic accident when we used to do it. <laughs> it's so funny. These these new kids at work, right? They're like, they're heating up cark paint. Right? So chemical agent resistance coating. It's the paint that they put on all the military vehicles. Mm-hmm. And it's like probably any kind of paint, right? You probably shouldn't burn it and inhale it. They're like, Ugh, it could cause cancer. I'm like, We've been breathing in Canada's wildfires <laughs> for four fucking years, and you're worried about breathing in cark paint for 20 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Everything. I'm knowing the radishes to cause in cancer. my neighbor's garden will cause cancer. Ah. I'm knowing to cause cancer in the state of California. Probably. Yeah, you're true. Yes. Yes, you're right. Google me. Google me, bitch. <laughs> okay. Uh, in 2001, also, uh, the U.S. requested that Pakistan grant air and land space for military actions in Afghanistan. U.S. Special Forces arrived in Afghanistan. Huh. And also, so there's a couple of things going on here in 2001. It was kind of a big deal. And well, yeah, yeah there, it was after, pretty busy. Uh, around this yeah. time back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do remember a little bit. Um, in 2001, the data flight recorder or the black box for United flight 93 was found at the Pennsylvania crash site. Um, 18 hijackers were identified as ticketed passengers. 18. 18. Okay. Uh, also, we talked a little bit about this, but uh, civilian air traffic resumes on September 13th yeah. after the September 11 attacks because they had shut down everything yeah, for like, two days. Do not pass for go two like flight wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we're shutting shit down for months. Yeah. Makes sense. Hey, shit happens. Mm-hmm. And I still can't get a breakfast beer. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't flown through an airport at 9 a.m. since uh, Vegas. Oh, you're talking about airport breakfast beers. I have them in my fridge all the time. Eh, Whatever. Yeah. And finally, in 2002, President Bush said it was, quote, highly doubtful that Saddam Hussein would comply with the demands that he disarm and avoid a confrontation with the world community. And he mocked the Democrats, which we all do, mm. and other lawmakers who wanted UN action before a congressional vote on confronting Saddam. Uh, yeah, did we ever confront that guy? We hung him. Found him hiding out in a 4 by 4 hole. Yeah, I don't think we hung him, though. 
I mean, supposedly we Pretty brought sure him on home. a ship to bring him back, and he never made it. No. No, I think that was Osama. That was Osama? I'm pretty sure Saddam got hung. Uh, we don't do that. I'm Google on the fly. Yeah, do it. Saddam Hussein, known as King Dipshit the Third. <laughs> this is per Wikipedia. Per Wikipedia. Like, no. <laughs> oh, I was like, no way. He was known as as Saddam. Okay, so it says right here, Saddam was hanged on the first day of um, Eid al-Adha, 30 December of 2006, despite his wish to be executed by firing squad, which he argued was the lawful military capital punishment, citing his military position as commander-in-chief of the Iraqi military. Ah, well. The execution was carried out at Camp Justice, an Iraqi military base northeast of Baghdad. Oh, good old Camp Justice. Yep. So, yeah, they hung him. The more you know. The more you know. I knew that. Huh? Go back in the recording. I said they hanged him. They hung him. Whatever. They did. They did hang him. They put a rope around his neck and kicked the bucket. They, they gosh darn did hung them. They slapped the horse's ass and sent him down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Oh, well. Yeah, I was actually not prepared to realize how many things happened in this time frame in our history. Yeah. And there was probably a lot more. I assume you cut that down quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I did a lot. When I, so <clears throat> the site I go to, there's actually like when I copy and paste it to the Word document, it's like it was like nine pages. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like even some of that stuff I've cut out, compressed. And then even when we started recording, I was actually like scribbling stuff out. So. I was like, yeah, we don't need to know all of this. And I try to keep, like, say, one bigger story, you know, that, uh, oh, like, for instance, the <clears throat> the two dudes, the NCOs that found the well, it's, here's Robert E. Lee's thing, orders. Though, is like, again, here we are doing what we do, and it's nice to get together and shoot the shit and everything like that, but we we did kind of miss a good opportunity to do a 9-11 episode. Well, we did. We did miss that opportunity. We And, you know, had we been smart about it, we'd have done this as a 9-11 episode and just released it on the 11th. Right. Yeah, you can just adjust Which, a few days. Why, why isn't that a federal holiday? Ugh. <sighs> Man, you know what? I don't know. It like well, Columbus okay. You're, you're not going to celebrate. Well, I, I can't even say that. I mean, you in can't my mind, say that. you're not going to celebrate a a, a tr- such a tragic day. Right. In my mind, you would celebrate the day we won the war against 
the Middle East, if you want to call it a one war. But it, we can't celebrate 9-11 if by chance, and I am just a dumb young guy, a dumb old guy, but if there's any conspiracy around 9-11, we can't make that a federal holiday. We, we got to make true. federal holidays out of time zones and freaking stupid shit that doesn't matter. <laughs> As as my dad would say. I did not hear what you said if you meant to say something out loud. Uh, that's it, folks. That That is the episode. That is uh, where we're going to cut it off. Like I said uh, earlier uh, in the intro, uh, just, you know, take the time uh, to remember 9-11 and, um, you know, reflect on all the things that uh, our brothers and sisters have done and have sacrificed uh, since that uh, tragic day. Uh, on uh, brighter news, though, I do want to leave uh, with a um, a happy anniversary to uh, Senior Bacon's wife and uh, also a happy anniversary to my wife. I think we had talked about it at one point in time, but I don't remember... Uh, we both celebrate our anniversary, uh, this week. So I, it might even be the same day. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, happy anniversary, uh, happy 9-11, Remembrance Day. What do they even call it? I should know. Anyway, stay safe, make smart choices. Hopefully we'll get our act together. We'll see you in two weeks.